You are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Good days. Welcome to the Good Days Podcast with Eddie and Charlie. It's it's uh, good to be back on the podcast as we took the week off last week with Fusion. And so we are back at it this week. So thank you for listening. Uh, we have a little bit of listener mail, Charlie. Um, one of the guys we talked about last week who we mentioned two weeks ago in our podcast, a guy by the name of Aaron as a seventh grader went down to the altar. And as the uh, our speaker was, was allowing was tearing, was, was waiting upon the Lord mm-hmm. and God finally broke through. And it was Aaron who went down to the altar first. Um, I, I, I sent out a text to him. I said, bro, you need to listen to this podcast. We gave you a shout out. So he did. This is his response via text. He says, dude, I just listened to the episode. It started off as background audio while I did some work. I had to stop work and simply listen. Tears filled my eyes several times. I'm so grateful you were patient with us. God took a little longer to work in our lives. That year at camp was life-changing. It still shapes who I am today. That's pretty cool. It's it's so great to be a part of, I don't know, the, the transformational process that God does in students' lives. And just as a word of encouragement to our listeners, stay at it. Stay faithful. Continue to plug away and continue to deliver God's will, word and to preach it, because just like our very first episode, God's word does not what return void. That's exactly right. So we've got a new lesson, a new principle today, Charlie. What do we have today? A culture of honor. A culture of honor. Mm-hmm. I like it. What? Now I'm in a little bit of the struggle bus coming off of fusion. Is your voice going to be a little bit deeper today? I don't know. It's a little bit uh, sad. I know that much. You know, it's it's always one of those things when you come off of fusion, all that hype and emotion and incredible things that God did once again at fusion, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you have a little bit of a letdown. It's like, it's like camp and you come out off that mountaintop experience. So tell us a little bit about fusion before we get, before we get into um, this new principle or this principle we want to talk about here today. So Fusion turned 50, and uh, part of it was honoring people that mm. had come before. That's and good. so I went back to uh, the original, that a group of students, the Student Ministerial Association. In 1972. They, had, they, they were experiencing what was still a remnant of the Asbury Revival, and they wanted to do something for somebody else. In fact, I was going back thinking through several stories of people and uh, every year somebody would pick it up. In fact, in 1977, it was this senior named David Wright. David Wright. And that was the president. In fact, uh, in 79, it was Jerry, Jerry Pat- Pattengale. Jerry Pattengale and Wayne Schmidt. How about that? 
our general superintendent and Jerry Pangel was my youth pastor, my junior, senior year in high school. How about that? So you keep on moving forward and all the names, I mean, so many, but I wanted to honor a couple of people. Uh, Tom Salone picked it up for 30 of his 40 years as an employee. Wow. Roger Alcock, 30 years, picked it up with Tom working with admissions and has been a part of it in some form or fashion since that day. Jim Lowe, 15 straight years of doing seminars with what is now Fusion. Incredible. Uh, So that's kind of what's happening. But as a report to everybody, God moved because that's what God does. And movements move. Carrie Garcia was incredible anointed uh, uh she spoke with power and passion truth 187 kids made commitments on saturday afternoon amazing it, it, it's been an incredible experience watching that video over and over and then freezing it you know and going back and counting how many kids are and trying to identify all who they all are and sending them notes and, and that's why you do it Absolutely. you know we had a great attendance and and Colony House and Vertical Worship Revolution, all of our seminars and our breakouts. I mean, it was all really good. You know, but it, it goes back to that that moment. And if you think back, that's what we remember mm-hmm. are those major spiritual moments. Yeah, where God moves. And I think we've all experienced this, this idea of when God moves in such an incredible way and the service is supposed to be over, but nobody wants to leave. His spirit is so real, it's so thick, and um, and we've we've even dismissed the crowd, but nobody leaves, and that's that's special when God moves in that way. That happened Saturday night because of our our adjusted schedule. Hopefully, we'll be back to more than normal schedule next year. But we finished Saturday night, and uh, uh, they turned out the lights because it was midnight. We had gotten everything loaded to the doors and out to the trucks to head out. And so all of a sudden there's 35, 40 people just lingering in the chapel. Mm. And then the lights went down and nobody left. And people were in there until about 2 a.m. Just reminiscing. Uh, we had this. That's good. We had uh, this spot within the, the three sessions before the concert at night where we wanted a, a student to, to share their testimony, to share from, you know, what God is doing in their life. J.C. Heron was that person. And J.C. literally uh, brought tears to my eyes as he spoke that day. We mm-hmm. did this mix where it was a video of his life as a kid. Super cool. Going into his speaking time. And, and I mean, so a culture of honor is as much about the generation past and it's about the generation that's to come. Mm. So it's, it goes both it goes ways. Both ways. Most people don't think about it in both, right. both contexts. That's good. But to honor the next generation and, and allow them to have a space and an opportunity to grow, mm-hmm. take some leadership to grow, to give their testimony, to preach, to lead worship. Revolution led worship did a fantastic job. Incredible. Giving them some opportunities to lead and to grow into where God has gifted them specifically. 
So when we think about the culture of honor, uh, it is almost like a lost art. But you have to have those moments where you make sure that you honor the people that are, are leading in ways that nobody ever sees. For example, people think about the platform as that one space with the lights on it and somebody has the microphone. That's just one platform. Right. There's many, 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 many platforms that are taking place in our ministry on a regular basis. And how do we honor people so that they know that who they are as much as what they do is valued? Right. So, for example, the person that's in the sound booth, the people that are backstage making sure everything comes together. When you think about fusion and all the moving parts of something like that, any event, any any event in which, whether it's on campus or whether it's a youth retreat or a camp, there's so many different things that need to get done. There's so many different moving parts. And someone can th- just show up for fusion, for example, and go, dude, this is awesome. This is amazing. But they don't realize all the work behind the scenes to make this awesome and amazing, the planning, the preparation, the prayer that went into this to make it great. And, and, and how can we honor people behind the scenes that don't get the credit for being the person on the platform or on the stage delivering the message? And that's our life every week in church. Amen. Same thing. So, so a couple of words have to change. It's us and we, not me and I. It's us and we. It's good. And it's recognizing that it does take a team. I think part of the culture of honor, number one, is going back to recognizing that somebody else has paid a price to give you the opportunity to do what you're doing today. Mm -hmm. So going back and recognizing those who have come before. Now, I think at times there's, I think at times it's really easy to have a conversation what we didn't like about the past. And point out the failures of those who came before us. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't point out the failures of us. <laughs> right. So be careful. So what it's, goes it's, around comes around. That's right. So, uh, we want it to be a one-way street. That's yeah. right. So we have to go back and look at what people have done and who they are and what was their heart. And how did that play a part to give us this platform we have now? That's why it was so important to go back and show a level of love and gratitude and respect to Tom, to Roger, to mm-hmm. Jim, and on and on it goes. And to celebrate them. Uh, I mean, to be, to be honest, every one of us, no matter what our ministries are, we are standing on the shoulders of others they, that have gone before us. They are, and many of them are even, they've passed on to glory. They are, they're in heaven. They are the, the, the crowds of witnesses cheering us on in, in Hebrews. And so how can we just give them honor and to recognize them, whether they are alive or dead, to recognize their efforts, their godliness, their, um, uh, what they have done before us is such a great character quality for for us to have, for us to possess, and to never forget that. Sometimes we yeah. can instead, the flesh can can come in, and we can, instead of honor, um, we can be jealous of the past. And we can try to pick them apart because of our own insecurities instead of honoring 
the pastor that came before us, the senior pastor that came before us, the youth pastor that came before us, the history and the tradition of the church. Um, that's important for us to recognize and to give them honor. Well, you said the number two, uh, as we're moving forward, the number two point I had was celebrate as much as you can. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be once a year that you celebrate somebody or when they retire or honestly, when they're no longer with us, we need to celebrate in the moment. And so if you have an opportunity to celebrate somebody in your ministry, celebrate them, let them know that they matter. Mm-hmm. So that culture of honor has to be not only going back and, you know, respecting those it's celebrating, celebrating in the moment. The third thing I put down was this and see what you think about this one right here. It's finding ways to platform people in the zone that they're gifted in and that they find purpose. And so how do you find a zone for somebody who maybe doesn't do well with the microphone, but they do really well with the broom? They do really well in the parking lot. They do really well behind the tech booth. They do really well like on the computer. And so you have to find places and spaces for people to actually lead in the areas that they feel comfortable in. And gifted at. And yes. and it takes so many different kinds of people like that. I know I'm not gifted in those areas. And, and so how can we honor them? How can we celebrate them? I think too, Eddie, uh, as I'm going back in, in time, um, all the people that were in my life that really helped influence me. I, I can't go back and connect with them because they're not around. I'll see a note. Uh, some some uh, died very young, earlier than they should have. Some of them uh, uh, I have an opportunity to go see, and I tell them I'm actually trying to make a, a, a trip to go see a dear friend named Bob Laurent just to tell them thank you. But if you go back and reminisce personally, who has influenced you? Who's the, who's the group of people? If you go back and have those moments while you're driving down the road and you turn off the radio and just relive your spiritual history and the people that connected with you, for me, it's Lola and Larry. Mm. You think about them. You think about uh, uh, Sonny and Gloria. Nobody will ever mention their names in any type of youth ministry lore. Uh, they weren't even youth pastors. They were volunteer leaders that cared about me in a little tiny church. So go back and think about the people who blessed you. And when you do that, it changes a little bit of your attitude towards the people that you're working with because there's all of a sudden there's that gratitude. That's how a culture of honor breathes. It breathes through gratitude for what God has already done in you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, for me, my very first, you know, youth pastoring their college church back in the day, you know, Bud and Judy, where, you know, they were volunteer adult leaders that um, were adult leaders when I was in the youth group and, and were still there when I was youth pastoring. And just the years of service that they that they put into loving kids um, in even decades, uh, the Alan and Pat Millers, the 
uh, Terry and Linda Mondays and uh, the the Shivers and 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 they're just such wise people that helped guide me as a young pastor as well and influenced me in ways that they probably will never realize. So I was thinking about this as well, Eddie. It's uh, uh, the next generation, the the group that's coming. Um, I was asked, why do I still do youth ministry by a, a, by a student who brought a bunch of students this past weekend? And I didn't have anything really smart to say in the moment. I, it just it blurted out of my mouth. It just kind of came out that, well, because you have, to, you have to be willing to be stepped on if you're going to stay in youth ministry for a long time. And they looked at me kind of strange, and, and I don't mean it in that sense that, you know, you, you know, in the negative, like that, that, that people just run over you. That's not the point. It's you have to be willing to be a, a stepping stool. You have to, to allow yourself to be a part of the process. And that's what is honoring about the next generation is recognizing their gifts and their talents, even though at times, yes, you know, they're a little bit difficult. They haven't earned it. You know, they don't have 30 years under their belt. But part of the culture of honor is, is reminiscing with them letting them know people that have come before, but at the same time, seeing their gifts and talents and, and helping them see the future, helping them see what they can be a part of. Uh, so I, I think if you're going to be involved in youth ministry, you have to be willing to become a stepping stool and allow people to have an opportunity. This weekend, like I already alluded to, uh, I was struggling a little bit with that middle session. What do we do? We have, you know, great communicators. Mm-hmm. We've got a great lineup. But how do we place our students in positions? And we do that through, like, hosting. And, and our student leaders have chances to, to say a couple things in chapel. But how do you honor students and give them a platform so that in that moment they can succeed? And this is my big problem with, with helping them have opportunity it's not hanging them out to dry. Right. It's setting them up to win. And I think it's a huge difference. I've heard people talk about, hey, throw them in, you know, the deep end of the pool. And if they win, they win. If they don't, they don't. That's how they learn. That's not how you learn. We have to set them up to win with real pressure, with with real experiences. But at the same time, in a way that, we're walking beside them. So if there is that, that failure, it's not devastating. I never once see Jesus, when I think back what he did with students, all right, and we'll call them disciples, but students, and he sent them out together in groups. He was with them. He, 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 he modeled it before modeled them. it with them because conversations of how to do this when it's your turn. Yes. Because that's part of it too. You know, we're giving them opportunities to lead and giving them opportunities to exercise their gifts, but there's conversations that lead up to that. There's a vetting process. There's a, um, there's a process in which they practice, you know, before us and, and, and we give them input and we give them uh, feedback so that they can even make it better, whether that's a worship band or whether it's someone giving their testimony, whether it's somebody preaching or whether it's someone just giving an announcement 
uh, on the stage or they're emceeing an event because our students do all of those kinds of things. But we're helping them succeed by learning, by growing, by practicing, um, by giving them really good feedback. And not that it's a, it's, it's a performance-based. We're just helping them to grow and mature. I don't know if it's Maxwell who came up with this. Probably not. I, this is where I read it. But there is something to be said about I'm doing something and, and you're watching. Somebody's watching. I'm doing, you're doing with me. You're doing it. Now I'm doing with you. You're doing it. I'm watching. And then there's that transference of, of leadership where you do it. Right. So, for example, in our leadership teams, we have people who are just watching. It's, you, not, their, you, it's not their turn yet yeah, to, they're, to they're, actually be leading it, but they're watching. They're watching they're it. They're learning. It. They're experiencing it. They're in the middle of it. And there's something, right, I'd just like to say that that there's a difference between real suffering and being inconvenienced. There's a big difference between suffering and being inconvenienced. All right. So yeah, as, yeah, explain that kind of help us understand that a little bit. So it, it is to help somebody really develop over time. You got to walk with them through the garbage and it's not always so like easy and sweet or on paper. I mean, you have to walk through when they're struggling or they're failing or they're going through something that's brutal and ugly and terrible through their pain. So being inconvenienced, I mean, that that seems like a really easy way to, you know, to, to you know, move through life and, and really doesn't cost you much. It just it's, you're annoyed with them. But if you're really going to develop somebody, you got to suffer with them. Mm-hmm. And when they fail, you feel that with them mm-hmm. and you help them see the other side of it. So when I think about a, a, that that transition where there's people on your teams just like my teams here, your teams, Eddie, you have people that are, are just watching while there's people who are partnering with you. There's also students who are doing very well and you're doing it with them. There's other people that they're doing it and, and you're just watching them do it. And then they graduate and they have to do it. They go do it. So you have people in every level of that leadership model but going back to that thought, uh, suffering with them. Just being in the trenches with them. And, and, and that's part of the suffering. When you get the phone call at two o'clock in the morning um, where they have an, a significant thing that's happened to them and you sit there and listen, or you, I'll be right over. I'm not going to mention names here. Uh, I, I Actually, I, I might because he would really be a, honored by this, but, uh, uh, had this student named Trey and I mean, gifted. There's so many people who know him, uh, where he's at now in ministry as this just amazing, godly person. Amazing. But when he was in high school, like so many of us, he was struggling and I had him prepped to speak on a Sunday morning, it's like, this is going to be good. And we get together with different students and, and 300 high school students in, in that room. This that's a big San, deal. Yeah. This is that's San a, Diego. Yeah. That's a lot. And I, I, I thought, I mean, you know, he had come through a lot his freshman year. A lot of stuff had happened in his life that was difficult. 
nobody had that that just the extra gear. And so we worked with him on his message and prepped him. But it was a, a Saturday, late Saturday, when I got word that he was at a party with a couple other people that are in the ministry. They weren't on the leadership team at that point, but they were there. And everybody, you know, they knew it. People started, you know, it gets out pretty quick. And so uh, um, that morning, I get a hold of him, and it's like, Trey, what happened? And he he was obviously. He was contrite. I mean, he knew it was wrong, but how can you speak this Sunday morning when everybody knows about the party this weekend? Mm. And so what we decided to do was not ignore it, pretend it didn't happen. Several people said, like, just don't talk about it. You know, just don't talk about it. Let it go. We'll deal with it later. And I uh, didn't listen to that advice and talk to Trey in that morning. We just said, hey, why don't we just be honest? Everybody knows anyway. And we walked through the mess. And it might have been one of the most powerful se- sessions, services, moments wow. in ministry that we had at that church in San Diego. And he was just vulnerable enough to sit there and basically confess. And we talked about pressure. Repent. And we talked about our relationship. And we talked about what was next. And we talked about not only what had happened, but what we're going to do. And and we talked about... uh a loss of opportunities coming up because of the actions that they have consequences, but we did it in context with all the students. How did, how did he respond to that? I asked him permission before I said, do you want to do this? And he said, yes. Again, everybody knew. It's like, why don't we just talk so about, talk about the elephant in the room? Yes. He was a senior and as we processed through, I had to honor that level of commitment in him to be that vulnerable. And so I think honor goes both ways. It doesn't mean that we don't have standards and it doesn't mean that, that there's not consequences, but it means that the relationship mattered the most. And we still talk about it to this day. That's incredible, Charlie. It's a great story. Uh, because the reality is ministry is messy at times and people are going to fail. We're going, we're going to fail and we're going to have difficult times. And so um, I think it's good for us to walk with people, not to abandon them in their mess or their sin, but to walk with them in that and help them navigate through some of those very difficult trials in life and sins in life. Yeah, wrestling with God is part of the process of understanding him. So wrestling with him, I think that we do that with our students. We wrestle together. But we got to go back to the beginning and make sure that we honor those who have been a part of this. We honor the history. We honor the people that have come before. We honor those that are with us. And we honor those who we're partnering and they happen to be the teen, the adolescent, the one that that doesn't see the potential that we see, and we have to help them see that, help them see the future. This is good, Charlie. Thank you so much for like helping us understand what it takes and what it means to have a culture of honor and honoring those who've gone before us as well as honoring this new generation coming up and giving them opportunities to exercise their gifts. That's incredible. Thank you. Boom. 
and boom. Mm-hmm.